So he thought, I better make a call. So he went to the farmer's house and told him he'd missed him, wanted to know if he had been sick. And he said, no, sir, I have not. He said, but uh, you know my old boots are about wore out. My coveralls look kind of trashy. And I got to thinking, how can I continue to go to church with these dirty old worn-out boots and trashy-looking coveralls? He said, just don't feel that's the right thing to do. And the preacher said, well, he said, it wouldn't make any difference to me, but if it's bothering you, you and I are about the same size. I got an extra suit at home. I'll I'll, I'll give it to you. I've got some shoes that I think will fit you. He said, if I just bring you the shoes and the suit... And then you come back and worship with us. And he said, well, yeah, I would do that. So the preacher left, and a couple of days later, he went back to the farmer's house, and he delivered the clothes. The man was thankful for him. Next Sunday, he was looking and looking and looking, and he didn't show up. So about Tuesday, he decided to go back and visit the farmer and ask him, you know, did the suit not fit you? Did the shoes not fit you? What? Oh, yeah. He said, man, I put that suit on. And he said, I put them shiny shoes on, and I got in front of that mirror. And I looked like a different person, and I decided I looked so good I could go to the big church up in the city. (laughs) Well, you know, Reuben did that last Monday. He keeps telling me, I'll see you on Sunday, but he went to the big church. He's worshiping with the saints this morning. And, uh, you know, he's got that perfect body. He's got everything perfect now because the Bible promised it to him. And I believe that he has it. Well, let me just say this morning, I want to share with you, I have a concern with with, uh, a lot of our biblical doctrines and biblical preaching that, that we did in the beginning of our Reformation movement that it seems like we have lost contact with a lot of. And it kind of bothers me because, you know, I think that there are people being cheated and, and, and people going through things that they don't need to go through if only the preacher would preach it and they would listen to it and they would believe it. And so I want to talk to you this morning from Luke chapter number 4. In chapter 4 of the book of Luke, it says down in verse number 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, which was his custom. That's one of the things we have problems with today. We ought to have our custom of going to church on Sunday. I'm serious. We have a lot of people today that feel like it's okay to miss church. You know what? Jesus taught that there was a custom about going, taking that one day a week and being able to be in the house of the Lord. Now, that's not what I'm going to preach about. Let me. And he stood up and read. The scroll from the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he unfolded the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to prisoners and recovery of a sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I believe every preacher and every congregation 
ought to come to church with the Spirit of the Lord's anointing upon them. We are more concerned about being politically correct, speech-wise correct, than we are having the anointing of the Spirit of God upon us. I think that every preacher, and I pray that God, in some way, when I stand to preach, would put an anointing upon the Word that I say. Not to edify me, but to edify His Word. You see, because we in the church, the power in the name of Jesus. There's power, my friend. An editorial appeared a number of years ago in the Indianapolis Star. It was entitled, The Power of Prayer. According to this study, the Journal of American Medical Association said hospitalized patients that had people praying for them had fewer medical complications. I thought about that, you know. The journal confirms the message of the church of God. Because we believe that where prayer is prayed, that complications are removed. You see, when we believe the Word, what the Bible says, divine healing is much more than God-assisting medicine, assisting doctors. You see, Jesus is not an assistant to anybody. Jesus is not an assistant to physicians. He is the great physician. Amen? He is the one that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly what we can even imagine. You see, divine healing is a direct intervention of Almighty God that brings healing through the power of prayer. And we've all seen it. Miracles of healing are, are, are seen throughout the New Testament church. Everywhere Jesus went to preach, you will notice that He preached and there were people not only saved, but there were people that were healed. You see, Jesus even made this statement one time when they criticized Him. He said, what, what's the difference whether I say unto this man, Thy sins be forgiven you, or rise up and walk? You see, the continuation of the two together. And we have lost that in the church today. The cross, the cross of Christ, the cross of Calvary, its provision has not diminished. There is still power in the name of Jesus. There is still power today in the blood. The blood has not lost its power. There is power in prayer that pulls down the strongholds that seem to bind people. Signs and wonders have marked the church of God throughout our movement. And I can remember reading back some of the history of our time, of our church, you know, the movement in 1880. But by 1930, they have organized to the point to where they could now have camp meetings and bring people from all over the world. In the 30s, there was an article that came in that newspaper. It was amazing, and I'd like to see it happen again. The, Houston, the paper said, headline says, Big Crowds at Camp Meeting Services. And then it goes on to say, it said police had to control the crowds on Saturday night because the sick who came to be prayed for were so many that most of the service was not any preaching. It was testimonies of divine healings that had taken place within the church of God. 
It said in that same article that the sick who came to be prayed for were so many that the service didn't, couldn't have any preaching. They were just healing after healing. Figures furnished by the people that were at that time that were offering services. You see, the, 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 back in the 30s, you know, we still used the funeral homes, many of them, for transportation, for emergencies. And so they contacted those funeral homes and they offered their hearses to bring the sick to the meeting on Saturday night to be prayed for. And the paper said that of 30 people that they hauled into the camp meeting, only six of them went back in an ambulance. Divine healing. It takes place. It's real. It's true. It still happens today. Listen, church, our message has not changed because God has not changed. What has happened is, is that we in ministry and we in the congregation would rather go the route of going through physical doctors and going through drugs in order to get what we need rather than trusting God. And so I found that as I read this, the bruised and the broken and the wounded must hear it again. They must realize that Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is not only able to deliver you from sin, but He's able to heal your body. And we need to let people know that. And so I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. The Word of God states the will of God. I hear people say all the time, I wonder what the will of God is. Let me tell you something. If you've got a Bible, you know what the will of God is. The will of God is right here in here. This is the last will and testament. In fact, the Bible says that you can't add anything to it. You can't take nothing away from it. Because this is what God has written for us to understand and to read. I thought about that. You know, the Word of God is God's will. In God's Word, He reveals Himself as not only the Savior, not only the one that's able to cleanse you and forgive you and help you beyond the sin that has entangled you, but it also teaches that He's the healer of our bodies. He reveals His healing nature. He reveals, this book reveals His healing promise. It reveals His, His healing provision. It reveals His healing power. And whenever the people lay hold on the Word and stand on the Word and believe the Word, great things happen. It is also the spoken Word. You see, how can they know unless there's a preacher? And how can you preach unless you're anointed of God and preaching the anointed Word of God and the people that are sitting in the sanctuary allow the Holy Spirit to deal with their hearts? You see, that's the reason why we don't see great miracles today. Sometimes it's because we just don't believe the Word. The spoken Word is revealed its healing nature. You see, the Bible says that God spoke. He whispered to Elijah in the wilderness cave. I thought about how He spoke to Moses on the backside of the desert, through a bush that was burning, yet it was not consumed. And yet God spoke to him through his word. You see, when we look at it, God dealt with men through the spoken word. All of us probably have read the story of Hezekiah. You remember the story in Second Kings chapter 20. Hezekiah believed that God could heal him regardless of the circumstances. And yet the Bible says that Isaiah came and delivered a message from the Lord. He said, Hezekiah, get your house in order because your life is going to end. And what did the Bible say? The Bible says when Hezekiah heard those words, he turned his face from the people. He turned his face towards the wall and he prayed and he believed and he shed tears and he asked God. 
to help him to overcome this word. And the Bible says that it happened so quickly that before Isaiah got out of the palace, before Isaiah even got out of the palace and left, God stopped him and said, go back with a new message. Go back to Hezekiah. This man's discouraged. This man is weeping. This man is hurting. Go back to him and tell him a new message. Tell him that I have heard his prayers. I have seen his tears. And behold, I will heal him. And you know what the Bible says? God added 15 years to Hezekiah's life. The reason why we don't see healing today, the reason why we don't see answers to prayer, because there's no tears, there's no heartbreak, there's no bedroom with God and saying, God, I am not trusting anybody but you. I'm not going to leave your presence until you bless me, until you do something for me. You see, that's what we need today. We need the spoken word. We also need the written word. The written word of God reveals healing promises. The promises throughout the book of Genesis and cling to the very last book of the Bible in Revelation. Healing is promised in the book of Moses, in the book of Exodus. You see, God said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. He didn't say somebody else was. He didn't say you'd work for it. Healing is a promise to the prophets. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 53, we like to quote it, but we need to live it. The Bible says that by His stripes we are healed. What's He talking about? He's talking about going to Calvary. He's talking about being whipped and beaten until his back was bruised and the blood ran down until he gave his very life on that cross. Let me tell you something. He said, by those stripes, I have paid the price. You should and can be healed. And we need to claim that. You see, that's part of the Scriptures. Healing is a promise in the New Testament. In the epistles of James, James said, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another you may be healed. Now, the reason why some people never get healed is because they don't want to admit they got any faults. They don't want to admit they got anything wrong about them. They don't want to admit that they're, they're not living and walking in the light that they ought to be walking in. They're not willing to admit that they're not living the life that they ought to be living, and yet they're blaming God for not taking charge. Let me tell you something. When we give ourselves to God completely and allow Him and we confess unto Him, that's what we do every Sunday. You know, I hear people say, you know, a lot of churches don't even hold all their calls anymore. Somebody said to me, now, when you come to the insurance, what do you want to do? What do you mean what I want to do? I've just set a dinner out before you. I want you to come and eat. I, I want you to come I, if you have a need, if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you're wounded, if you're bruising, if you're sick and you can't do anymore, come and let us pray together. You see, that's what it's all about. Not only is there uh, the promise of the, of the written Word, but there's also the promise of the living Word. The living Word is His presence. The mystery of the incarnation, that God who spoke the world into existence created the universe, and then He came and made the human flesh, made man and woman. It's amazing how that God it, 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 it's just mind-boggling. How could God take nothing and make something? I tell you how, because He's God. Because He is who He is. And so I believe that the Word of God reveals His presence among us. The Word of God also reveals His healing power. The Old Testament closed looking at one that would come with healing power. Notice what Malachi says, But unto you that fear my name. 
shall the Son of Righteousness arise at healing in His wings. You see, God came for the purpose of taking care of us. We read that, that Jesus was on a mission. Do you realize Jesus came from heaven to earth with a mission in mind? You know what His mission was? His mission was, my friend, to destroy the works of the devil. And sin is a work of the devil. And out of sin, because of sin, my friend, many people are crippled and they are, they, they, they're in trouble today. Their lives are a mess today because of sin. Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil and the power of Satan. Jesus recognized, notice what he said in John 10.10, 10, when he said, the thief comes but to steal. He comes to steal, but he also comes to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come with greater power than him. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. You see, I'm tired of seeing saints of God running around, half dragging their tail, being discouraged. My friend, let me tell you something. The God I serve is going to give us abundant life. He's going to give us the power for life. He's going to give us what we need in life. I believe that every day. That's the reason why I haven't retired. Because I believe that God's going to give me strength as long as I'm willing to stand, as long as I'm willing to preach. He's willing to use me if I'll let Him. You see, abundant life comes. Job 42, God called sickness captivity. There's a lot of people that are in captivity today. In the, book of, in the book of Luke, chapter 13, Jesus referred to sickness as being bound. You see, you're in captivity, you're bound. And then we find that the Holy Spirit called sickness oppression. So there's people today that you look around and they don't want to admit it, but they're in captivity. They're not free. They feel bound. They're, they're, they're captive to their own life, to their own misery because of sin. They're bound. They're oppressed. My friend, today in the church, we become too comfortable with living people living in captivity. We have too much sympathy for them rather than pray that God would deliver them. I hear people say all the time, well, that's, you know, that's sad, but that, you know, that's a family trait. That's something that's in their family. Let me tell you something. I got a family trait. My family trait is that when I got born again, when I came to an altar and gave my life to Jesus Christ, I became a joint heir of Him. I became one of His kids. And I'm going to tell you something, Jesus doesn't live and doesn't want me to live in captivity. He doesn't want to live me, see me live discouraged. Jesus wants me to know that He's come. Let me tell you something, we can't live in cap- captivity and bondage. People that are bound, they're oppressed. And Jesus walked into the synagogue of Nazareth that day and picked up that book of Isaiah the prophet and declared, He declared His mission. By the way, let me tell you something. Jesus' mission that day is the same mission of the church of God. That's the mission that I have to you today. That's what God's called me to do. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, He said, because He has anointed me. Now, why did He anoint Him? Just to feel good and clap His hands and feel wonderful and, and then shout and do all these things? I mean, if you want to do them, that's fine. Let me tell you something. But that isn't what He said. He said He's anointed me to preach the gospel. The Word of God. And not just to the good people, but the preacher to the poor. Now the poor are the ones, you know, that's less fortunate. The ones that don't know the message. The ones that hasn't heard the message. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. 
He's caused me to preach deliverance to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are, that are bruised. He said, and then preach the acceptable year. You know what the acceptable year of the Lord? That means the whole Word of God. Just preach it all to every person, no matter who they might be. And you know, there's a lot of truth to that. And it's still happening yet today. Gerald Marvel was one of our great preachers, going on to be with the Lord. Oh, what a preacher. He tells a story about how that when he was pastoring out in the state of Washington, he sat across his desk, he said, at an appointment with a cardiologist. And the reason he was sitting there was, he said, the pressure in my chest was unbearable. I couldn't stand it. He said it was there. Examining, the doctor said, Reverend, you are a victim of coronary artery disease. And you need to get to the hospital immediately and let us find out where the blockage is before it takes your life. But Marvel said, well, I, I, you know, I didn't know this doctor. He was a cardiologist. I didn't know. I got carried into an emergency room. They sent me with something. But he said, I knew a cardiologist, so I told him, I, I want a second opinion. So he called a cardiologist that he knew from his church and made an appointment. And the very next day he was over there and visited with that cardiologist. And the cardiologist said, well, I'll tell you what. He said he was right. He said, I, I just think you're going to have to have that surgery. You've got blockage. You've got something going on in your heart. And if you don't get it taken care of, brother, you're not going to be long on this earth. He said, well, when are you thinking? He said, well, I'll tell you, if you want me, it'll take about, get you prepared for this. It's going to take about 10 days. And then we're going to go in and do major surgery. He said, okay. So he went home and he called around the church of God, across the nation. And the word was put out. I remember getting the word from the movement of the church of God. And they said, remember, remember this pastor. Remember him. He's going to have to have surgery. Put him on your prayer list. Pray that God would, would um, not only touch the cardiologist and the surgeon's hands, but he would touch Brother Marvel. And he said, I was sitting there. I was trying to be careful. My wife wouldn't let me do nothing. Women are like that. You know that. He was hurt. She didn't want to lose him. And so she wouldn't let him do anything. But she had slipped off to go to one of the children's for something. And she'd be gone. She said, now you behave yourself. I'm going to be gone for about four hours. But you just sit there and you behave yourself. He said, I was sitting there in that chair. And I was thinking about all the thousands and thousands of people that are praying for me. And he says, as I was thinking about it, all of a sudden there came something over me. And I began to feel great. I began to feel wonderful. He said, I stood up and I wasn't without breath. He said, I walked across the room and I still had breath. And I began to praise the Lord. And he said, you know what? I looked out the window and that grass needed cut. He said, I got the mower out and I cut the grass. I came back in and I was feeling pretty good, got me a drink of water. And he said, I stood there and just thanking the Lord, I was feeling so good. He said, I went out in the garage and he said, I began to clean things up. I moved things around, I swept and I dusted. And he said, I got them all cleaned up just about that time. He said, I got done. Here come driving in the driveway, my wife. Now you would have thought she would have thanked me for cutting the grass. She would have thanked me for cleaning up the garage so I didn't track dirt in the house. But she got all over me. She said, Gerald, what in the world are you doing? Don't you care about me and the church? You know you shouldn't be doing anything. He said, but honey, you don't understand. He said, I was sitting there and something came over me. I just feel wonderful. I feel great. I don't have any chest pains. I don't have any. And I've done all of that. And she said, I know, but you sat on that chair. 
said Monday morning, he said, we checked in over the hospital and avoiding obedience to my wife and to the doctor. And the doctor said, not tomorrow morning, we're going to do surgery. Marvel said, I, you know, you know, things have changed since the last test. I've, 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 been, I've been 10 days, and I, I don't seem to have any problems at all, and, and things are doing wonderful. He said, I just feel great. He said, I, I don't know what it is. He said, I just feel great. I don't know. I'd like for you to do another test. He said, it's no time to be thinking about doing tests. He said, I want you to know that you're, you're, you're not here to, whether, to find out whether you've got a problem or not. He said, you're here because you have a very serious problem, and I don't want you to get false hope. <laughs> I thought about, thank God, God never gives us false hope. He never gives us false hope. But you know what? Marvel said, you know, I went through that. He said, the next morning the procedure took off. He said, they took me down there, and they did all this. They got ready to do all this stuff and check me all out. And he said, you know, about noon, the doctor came back into the room. He walked to the end of my bed. He looked at me and he looked up and had his glasses down. He said, he kind of looked over them glasses and said, Well, Pastor, you know what? There's not a blockage anywhere. You've got the cleanest arteries of anybody I've ever seen. He said, There's no restriction. You can go home this afternoon. There is no restrictions. Marvel said, I begin to think, I wonder which one of those thousands of people touched the hem of the garment of Jesus for me. Let me tell you something, my friend. That's the reason why the Bible says, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them, because he knows we ain't got enough strength to pray for ourselves. Now, Marvel said, you know, I believed in God and prayed for lots of people through the years. But he said, I don't believe it was my prayers that got me healed. He said, I don't know which one it was. I'd like to know. But I have no idea whether it was a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, that touched the hem of the garment that brought the healing to my body that Saturday afternoon sitting in my chair in my family room. Let me tell you something, church. We need to continue to preach the Scripture. We still need to believe in the church today that God is capable of handling the needs of we have in our lives. Whatever your trouble is, whatever it might be, I'm not against medicine. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against counseling. I'm not against any of that. But I want to tell you something above and beyond all of that. God is going to be in control if I allow. So I'm saying to you this morning, there's no reason for you to go out of this place feeling depressed, feeling captive, feeling bound when Jesus is here at able to meet the need. And I tell you, it, it happens all around us. It wasn't just Gerald Mark. I could tell you through 50 years of preaching around the country of many, many, many people. I tell you, I, I could tell you about it. I, I, had a, I had a lady in Springfield, Ohio. Norma McFarland, she got grandsons or nephews in ministry when I'm over in Hubbard, Ohio, right here in the state of Ohio. Norma was told that she had cancer all through her. The doctor said, you got your house in order. you got all your affairs in order. She was a single lady, never been married. And she said, well, no, I, I just come in here to get checked out. He said, well, I'm going to tell you something. From what we see, you got cancer all through you. You need to go... You need to go take care of all those things, and you come back, and we're going to begin some chemotherapy. We're going to begin some treatments. And I'm going to tell you something. Norma came, and she was a believer. I'll never forget it. She came right to the church. 
She said, Brother Swigger, I want the church to pray for me. I want, I want my anointing to pray for me. She said, just cancer. I, I never felt it. I didn't know when I had it until, until the doctor told me about it. But she said, I, I know that I've, I've sat in the church of God all my life. I've, I've seen people get healed. And I want God to take care of this thing. And if he doesn't, then I'll go to them. Let me tell you something. We prayed for her and we didn't know the cloth. She put that cloth. She pinned it inside of her night going at night. She went back to the doctor. He was going to. She said, "Now before you do this, before you go through all this cancer stuff," she said, "I'd like to have another test." He said, "You know what?" He was a foreign doctor. He said, "You know what? You you got this, and the longer you wait, the less time you're going to have, lady." She said, "I know, but I'll take the less time. I want you to do the test again." And when he done the test, he come back out and he said, "You know what? I don't know. Something might have been wrong with that machine before." But somehow there's nothing there, and, and we want to redo the test. And they did it again. Norma's still living today, my friend. She was healed of cancer because she trusted and believed God. And because of that, I'm going to tell you something. I had stacks of handkerchiefs that high that we anointed and sent out to people. Because, you see, once somebody knows, it's kind of like a restaurant. Kind of like the ice cream stand. The one that has the best one, you tell everybody about it. Well, you know, the same thing is true in the church. You tell people what happened and they'll show up. They'll come. Now, they may not always measure up to get what they deserve and what they need, but you know what? They come because they know. That's the reason why the Bible says that we become witnesses to the world. The witness of the church today has been hindered because the world doesn't see us any different then they see themselves. But I'm here to tell you today that the God that I serve is still in control. If you allow Him to anoint your life, if you allow the Holy Spirit to deal with you, if you allow His Word to become a part of you and get it in you, my friend, I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing you can't go, that you can't bring to God that God won't handle for you. And that's what I'm going to say this morning. To right here this morning, I want you to know that if, if, if God is no respecter of persons. Some people think, well, that, that person, because they, they, they've been in church a long time, God will take care of them. No, no, God's no respecter. God will do the same thing for the first-timers as He will with the old-timers. <laughs> He'll do the same thing. It don't make any difference to God. The church of God believes that deliverance from sickness is provided in the atonement. And it's the privilege of all believers. Let Him take care of you totally today, whatever your need be. And I asked the singing group today, they sang that song, How Great Is Our God. I, I want them to do it again because I know how great our God is. And I want you to know today, and if you have a need, I know we remove those all those, but we got pews, and they'll work just as good. If you want the need and have something you want to pray about this morning, you come. I'll be happy to pray with you. And so will the others. But you know what? We need to be obedient to God and to His Word. Let's preach the whole Word. Not just salvation, but let's preach what Jesus did and what Jesus is capable of doing today. He'll do it in your life if you'll let Him. Let's stand together. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word that gives us hope and promise. We thank You, Lord, that You're still in the business of not only saving to the uttermost, but, Lord, you are able to bring healing and confidence and, and encouragement to every person in this building today. Whatever their problem is, Lord, whether it be a sickness, whether it be a discouragement, whether it be the fact that they just don't know Jesus to that 
extent. Lord, let this be the day that they say, Lord, today is the day I want to know you completely. I'm going to give myself totally to you. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Will you come as we sing?